Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss an evolving situation in Ukraine and cybersecurity implications. Next up, BEC you later, alligator. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 112, recorded on February 28th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. It's not the time for puns, LaBelle. With me, co-host Taylor, donate to the World Central Kitchen at donate.wck.org, Wilkes Pierce. And last but not least, a special guest, Kevin, pass me more coffee, Libby. Welcome, you two. Hey, how's everyone? Just need more, need more coffee, and for somebody to turn the world off and on again. <laughs> Could somebody accomplish that? Some, uh, I think we've been needing to do that for the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! So as as most people that uh, most people can imagine that's that are tuning into the podcast this week. Um, there's a, a really heavy topic of discussion, which is what's happening right now in Ukraine. And there's a lot of implications, obviously, from a geopolitical conflict perspective. But given the nature of our podcast, we'll be focusing in on what's what's happening from a, a cybercrime, cybersecurity, nation state perspective. Um, and so that's that's our first discussion for the day. And so you'll notice that we'll probably be a quite a bit more somber than we are typically as the situation calls for uh, a little bit more of a serious nature. But I also want to put a major asterisk that, or a, a di disclaimer, if you will, that this is an extremely fluid situation and a lot has likely occurred by the time you listen to this podcast from when we recorded it, um, let alone just information that's streaming through consistently that may or may not be accurate. So we're going to do the best we can with the information we have right now. Um, and just, just know that going in. So our hope is to just keep, uh, keep folks abreast basically of the current situation. Um, and just recognizing that it's, it's likely about to change again. So Taylor, with all that being said, what are some of the reports you've come across, um, on InfoSec Twitter through publications, et cetera? Yeah. So I think, you know, up front, you know, this is something that is not, it was not particularly surprising to folks who were following current events, right? There's uh, a large scale buildup of troops right around Ukraine uh, for the Russians. So, it was, you know, and our own government was kind of um, publishing data on this and, and kind of trying to get out ahead of, um, you know, any any attacks that, that the Russians would under, uh, take on Ukraine. Um, so I think that, the you know, you have to kind of, some of the stuff you have to back up even a few years uh, to look at what happened back in like 2016, 2017. Uh, you know, the, Russia has been kind of targeting Ukraine, uh, both not in the in the physical world, but also in the digital world uh, for, for a long time now, viewing it all, almost more of like a little breakaway state, um, you know, not really deserving of, of any real independence and, and kind of treating it as such um, for, for a while now as well, you know, taking territory in 2014. Uh, and then in 2017, we saw the kind of Petya, not Petya stuff where uh, not Petya, a ransomware variant was deployed. Uh 
you know, thought to be from Russian state actors uh, against targets in Ukraine. It kind of combined fake ransomware uh, with uh, the Eternal Blue exploit. So the kind of Windows uh, fun NSA hack that got leaked that allowed uh, essentially made this ransomware kind of let's call it warmable uh, internal on on Windows networks for you know lack of more time to go into it. But you know that that kind of broke out and hit um, Western targets as well beyond Ukraine. So there's kind of a history here of Russia targeting Ukraine in the cyber world and that kind of uh, having larger implications for for the rest of folks. Um, So in the run up to this most recent um, kind of phase of their attack, again, this a lot of this goes back to 2014, but kind of just in the last few days on the 24th, when troops were committed against more broadly against the rest of Ukraine, we also saw uh, denial of service attacks on Ukrainian government sites. Uh, the the folks uh, over at Intel, Intel 1 or Intel 471 published a report on a new uh, kind of wiper, uh, hermetic wiper is what they dubbed it because it was using a signing certificate from a software company called Hermetic. Uh, and that was observed targeting Ukrainian uh, interests. So going, again, kind of fake ransomware where we'll just lock up all your data and then say, pretend like we're ransomware, but we'll just throw away the key. Um, some more destructive uh, you know, attacks on Ukrainian targets. Um, yeah, so it was Symantec and the ESET team uh, f- found the hermetic wiper uh, on February 23rd. Sorry, so you can see right ahead of the attack, uh, this stuff was getting published. Uh, let's see. Early on in the fighting, the Russian government site started gave off a, a 418 I'm a teapot error, which was um, kind of uh, amusing, but also you know may, may have been a, a denial of service attack against those or kind of uh, folks bringing those things internal from a DNS perspective. So there's a lot of like fog of war going on here. Um, you know, the anonymous activist group has now targeted uh, Russian, uh, not just the government, but just about anything there that they're calling it game. Um, so, you know, there's some evidence that TV broadcasts were hacked to show war footage and spread some anti-Putin messaging. Other evidence of electric charging stations and, and maybe train stations in Belarus getting impacted by this. This stuff is really tricky to discern kind of truth from reality because it's very easy to, you know, publish some, some screenshots of something and say it's something else and, and have that kind of catch fire out in, in Twitter land. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, there's just so much stuff going on in the last four days uh, related to, to InfoSec world around this. Um, you know, uh, another one, the Conti ransomware gang um, kind of initially published uh, some support for the Russian government. Uh, and then within a few days, it seemed like one of their Ukrainian members didn't take too kindly to that and started posting their chat logs. Um, so that's kind of an emerging situation as well. Um, you know, we're seeing Ukrainian troops targeted in phishing attacks uh, by the, the Belarusian APT group. Um, you know, we're seeing fraudulent uh, charity scams targeting this stuff as well, which that stuff pops up for any kind of large scale event like this. We see that around things like hurricanes or, you know, COVID, um, you know, you name it. But it just it gives scammers a, a window to operate in um, where, where folks are, you know, trying to, to get resources to, to, to people who need it in these areas and, and trying to get in between that. Yeah, well said, Taylor. My, my follow-up question here, and you've touched on this a little bit, is 
really, what are some of the unique challenges when it comes to gathering consistent and trusted intel um, in this particular situation? I mean, so many, right? Again, the, the, there's, it's so easy to publish anything uh, and these things can kind of catch flight and, and, you know, get trending before they're verified or, you know, so you'll see, uh, you know, images uh, of, of uh, you know, like downtown Kiev at night and, uh, you know, they're saying, hey, it's, you know, paratroopers, there's lights in the sky. And then you kind of flip the image around and go, well, it's actually just reflections off of the streetlights below. Um, you know, again, it's just like you could kind of publish anything and, and have it catch flight out there right now. So it's very difficult to discern things. You know, you've got to really verify stuff, reverse image things, you know, check to make sure the stuff that you're sharing is actually from, you know, this, this most recent incursion, uh, invasion, really. Um, you know, there's just a, is a lot of um, a lot of noise out there. Yes, indeed. And Taylor, I forgot to mention something that you were pointing at uh, in response to my first question. But for for folks who are curious or are some way plugged in, just know that there's a Twitter account called Security Snacks where we publish viable threat intel um, that we have some level of information on that may be helpful, including um, a number of those kind of opportunistic domains that have been spun up around this whole conversation with Ukraine, whether it's the the fake sites eliciting funds um, or a number of other um, goals or motivations, I'll say. So just know that that's a, a Twitter handle you can follow if that would be useful to you and your team. Um, but thank you, Taylor, for that context as the, to the challenges around the, the current situation here and the viable intel. And I'm just curious for your perspective on how you expect cyber warfare will continue to evolve. Um, like you mentioned, there was uh, there have been a number of even ICS attacks. I think, was it 2015 when the Ukrainian power plant was targeted, which I think you mentioned at the forefront? Um, yeah, so what are what are some of your expectations and, and um, your... I guess, estimations about what that will look like here in the future. Yeah, uh, it's tricky. Um, you know, there's, there seems to have been this kind of line in the sand, at least on uh, the like official sites and say, hey, we're not going to get destructive when it comes to this stuff. Um, now, obviously, the between Russia and Ukraine, like that stuff's already pretty darn destructive. So, you know, it, anything kind of goes <laughs> there. Um, uh, you know, I think... It's also difficult to talk about this without talking about the impact of like social media on some of this stuff as well, um, right? Like, so the Ukrainian government and, and particularly the, the folks there have really deployed information warfare on their side uh, in a very advantageous way. Um, so, like that, that's also pretty interesting about this, and, and you know, maybe a little unexpected in some ways. Um, because I mean, how can you predict those types of things? From a destructive standpoint, I mean, it does look like the the kind of third party ancillary third party groups are kind of going in hard on Russian targets. Um, you know, I, I think it really remains to be seen how much of an impact that stuff is going to have. You know, again, how much of it is it faked versus how much of it is real? How much of it is a nuisance versus something that's actually, you know, going to to make a difference on things? You know, that that all remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. From a predictive standpoint, I think anything's possible at this point. Uh, you know, we, we've already seen 
so many norms shattered in the last four or five days around this type of stuff from a from a uh, warfare perspective. I, I don't, you know, I think even making predictions there is tricky. <laughs> yeah, and I am I am curious to hear if there's anything that has surprised you about the events that have occurred, whether it's things that have happened or potentially have not happened from a cyber war perspective. Yeah, we haven't widely seen destructive capabilities at play just yet, or at least not that we have seen, um, you know, that it's been publicly talked about. It's really early on though. Right. So, you know, there, there will be read and reactions for, for things where, you know, it's going to take time for those reactions to happen. Uh, but at least thus far, it didn't seem like there was a lot of kind of destructive you know, stuff ready to go for Russia and Ukraine. Um, you know, now maybe that is in line with their, and you know, and, and again, we're speaking early on in the week here, so a lot's going to happen in the next couple of days. But, uh, you know, thus far, it does seem like they have had a reticence to kind of engage in uh destructive stuff against civilian infrastructure so you know i think you know from their standpoint hey we're gonna you know if everything had gone well they'd be owning this stuff already and they don't want to necessarily destroy stuff before they take it over uh maybe that's part of the thinking there so we'll see if that changes as kind of the resistance digs in a little more um you know and the kind of facts on the ground change for them Indeed. And, and Taylor, one more question for you. And I know we're unpacking some, some heavy stuff and we have very yeah. little information, but I'm just, I'm curious for your perspective on how, I mean, this is really leading into our, our hoodie ratings. And again, let's think about this from the context of cybersecurity. How concerning is this situation for the folks in Ukraine, again, from that cybersecurity perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think for anyone there, it's life and death, right? Um, so, you know, for for that, like the the IT side of things, um, you know, hey, uh, boy, I hope the, the folks are able to keep the stuff running that needs to be running. Um, but yeah, from a from geopolitical, it, it, you know, we're we're uh, at a ten out of ten, right? There's there's not much more, right? You've got a uh, a shooting war on Europe's doorstep. Um, you know, in one of the, you know, larger cities, uh, out there, it's just, it's tragic all around. Thank you, Taylor. And, um, let's, let's go ahead and then, and get your rating then Kevin on this as well. Uh, the overall rating it's, well, it's pretty bad. I would not give it a 10 out of 10, just mainly because I, I have a little bit more to add towards that last point that Taylor just just threw in there, and that's really the United States provides uh, cybersecurity assistance to Ukraine. We have been for many years. Um, so we've been, along with other nations, by the way, have been really kind of arms in there helping them get uh, some some controls around their criti critical infrastructure. So not saying it's going to be, um, the fallout will be disastrous, but there's always that potential. I mean, it's it's wartime. But from a hoodie perspective, the entire thing is 10 out of 10. But from a cyber perspective, I might throttle it back to an eight. I mean, it's 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 bad. It's a very it's a horrendous, unfortunate situation. But uh, that that's where I am. Thank you for t you two for your two cents. Um, and for the sake of time, we're going to pivot into our second article of the day here, which is 
BECU later alligator. So we're going to give everybody a little bit of a breather from the conversation around Ukraine. There's so much other content to ingest. So again, I hope this doesn't detract from uh, or, or make our listeners believe here that we don't see the full gravity of this situation. This is obviously a, a really challenging situation and, and dire, frankly. So uh, we're going to shift here, but no, we'll, we'll be continuing to talk about Ukraine. There are lots of great resources that are out there. There are so many great Twitter threads right now that are capturing these sort of flyby potential nation state cyber crime type events. So that's definitely my suggestion is to keep a close eye for probably the, the more topical and more timely and relevant data as it comes through. So again, next topic of discussion today is BECU later alligator. So the FBI has issued a warning that organizations should be on their guard against business email compromise, known to many as BEC. So these are attacks involving virtual meeting platforms um, is specific to what the FBI warning that was issued. So Kevin, let's start this topic off by setting, you know, level setting what BEC attacks are and how they work. Sure. Uh, especially in the context of this particular FBI warning. Um, it, it's it's a fun little spin. Uh, fun, I mean, as in different. Um, so, well, business email compromise in this particular example is really around attacks involving virtual meeting platforms. Uh, typically, this and these are scams. So typically they work through um, various ways of exploitation or various methods of exploitation um, of compromised email accounts. Um, and they, the ultimate goal is to try and elicit funds out of somebody. You're trying to trick somebody. You're trying to scam someone. Um, you, might, uh, you might try and convince someone that you've sent in an invoice. Um, there's some you know, false instructions from a you know, quote unquote boss to move money around into an account. Uh, that you may have access to, or your group has access to. E either way, it's listing funds funds out of somebody that is unsuspecting and probably too trusting, or just at the mercy of whatever process or lack of process that particular organization has going for them at that time. Um, that that's essentially it. Thanks, Kevin, for that overview. And as as you were alluding to, in recent days, the FBI has seen an increase in the number of reports of. BEC scams. So if you can provide more detail on what the FBI found, that would be extremely helpful, I'm sure, here to our audience. Sure. I mean, a lot of this also goes, not just this article that that we we, we were looking at um, by, by, by Graham Cooley, but uh, also back in, uh, my, I'm dusty off my brain here, sometime in 2021, FBI did, in, did release a, they do an annual report every year. Um, their internet crime report. Uh, I don't quote me on the date, but it was sometime in early 2021 um, when they first mentioned that um, it, the, the BEC scams were were on an uptick, if I recall correctly. Um, and so, a lot they, uh, there have been examples that have been thrown out over the you know the years around this. But for the FBI to sit there and call this out is interesting to me because. I mean, let's face it, what's changed in the world in the last couple of years? Everybody's home. Everybody's working from, from some kind of remote situation due to a pandemic. So there's going to be an uptick of remote type scams. And this is just one of many, I guess. So, um, you know, if for one, one of the examples that was called out, which, which I found I've not seen or heard anyone relay this to me that experienced it firsthand, but it's, 
it's quite fantastic. It's like a science fiction novel. I mean, think about it. You're sitting there in a room in a virtual meeting and somebody puts a, a still picture of your, of your boss up on the screen. It could be your CEO, it could be CFO, whatever that is. Um, and they're giving you instructions. You know, they don't have their camera on, but there's a picture of them. They're giving you instructions saying, hey, I need some funds sent to this account. Some people would go for that. Um, and there've been some complex ones from the reports too, where even the audio has been manipulated. So we're into like almost trading into deep fake type conversations, um, which is quite interesting um, and, and serious, uh, depending on the capabilities of that organization to train their employees and, and educate them as, as, as these risks arise and pop up. And also, of course, there's, there's uh, the way to mitigate that after the fact. It's it should someone fall for it. It's, it's a, it's a scam, and it's it's for the FBI to mention it. Um, they've obviously had some reports coming in their inbox over the last year or so around this type of activity. So you know they're they're doing the public a, a, a service by by just you know putting it out there, saying we need to be vigilant against this. So, did the FBI include any suggestions or advice on how to limit risk, or do you have any recommendations uh, that you could provide to our listeners? Well, sure, I can. I mean, it's a lot of it really is going keeping your organization's eyes back down on the 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 security one on one. I mean, it's ensure that people use multi-factor authentication. Ensure that your email environment, your architecture that you use for that, whether it be a, a vendor's cloud environment or whether you you uh, feed and nurture and care for that. Um, situation in your own data center yourself, whatever that is, ensure that everything's secure as best you can. Ensure that your end users are educated on on what to look out for for these type of scams and these activities and everything else. It's uh, everyone's going to click on something at some point, um, but uh, but keeping your eyes on 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 just again those basic security blocking and tackling will, will go a long way. Thank you, there, Kevin. Perfect. So, Kevin, how concerned are you by this uptick highlighted by the FBI here? I'll be honest. I'm I'm no more concerned about this than everything else that's going on. It's every business, every organization has a is being hit every direction every single day. And so, as long as they, I would say, as long as People do whatever they can to bolster their security infrastructure, to ensure their processes um, and their resources internally, not just the shiny light that they racked in the data center to protect them, the piece of technology, but really it's about the, the people component, um, ensuring that those processes are, are in play. So when something does happen, because it will, ensure that you're able to get your arms around it and, and mitigate whatever that is and, and move on with your life. <laughs> and move on with your life. The goal Pretty of much. the defender. <laughs> yes. So Taylor, after hearing Kevin's analysis here and summary of this particular conversation <laughs> or discussion, uh, what would you rate this at from a hoodie perspective? Yeah, I agree with Kevin. It's not like uh, the most exigent thing. It's it's certainly like the deep fakiness of it, like the ability to fake the, the chat rooms and voice stuff is like, that's something you, that I, that like, kind of gets my attention more more so than necessarily what it's being used for because um, that could be used for a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I'll go like, let's go three and a half hoodies. And what half? 
was that Taylor? Hold on. I, I've got to say, how do you do a how do you do a half of it? We've actually measured the hoodies down down to I believe the Deca hoodie uh, is our is our smallest form of of hoodie measurement. Is that is that right, Kelsey? I think That's, so. That sounds about right. Uh, and you you are the trendsetter. I believe in the hundredth episode we highlighted that you won the um, the most creative hoodie scorer. That's your superlative, no doubt. <laughs> I like to explore the space. You know, <laughs> it's important. Uh, in it's my important. mind, Kevin, a half a hoodie is you just slice the hoodie from top down, right down, uh, right down the middle. So you have kind of a, you could pick a right arm or a left arm situation, whichever one you want. Um, you know, if you were uh, you know, going up against the fugitive, you'd only need one of these things with your one arm. So pick it. That's my half hoodie. All right. Well, in that in that case, I give your your method your methodology for scoring hoodies <laughs> an inside out. <laughs> It can't be inside out. It's always a hoodie. Can't zip an inside out hoodie. Very <laughs> it's very challenging. Especially in those pesky leather gloves that one wears when they're defending and or hacking. As one does. With a um, a lock on a keyboard that you're you're actively unlocking while typing in leather gloves, wearing a hoodie in a dark room with sunglasses and a ski mask. Only every time. Yeah, it's the only outfit of choice here at InfoSec World. Um, <laughs> so, Kevin, all that to all that to say, now that you know the the opportunity for creative scoring, what what is your hoodie rating here? Uh, for the BEC component, uh, I'm going to give it a three. A solid three, and for what it's worth, Taylor, I personally am a, a huge advocate for the crop hop. Crop, crop top hoodie. Ooh. That's where I think there's lots of opportunity. I mean, it's kind of like the opposite of a vest in a way. Like you're really focused on your arms warmth, but your core, not so much. So if you pair a crop top hoodie with a vest, you basically just have a full hoodie. Um, but it's just a fantastic look. Just gives you some breeziness if you want in the midriff area. Highly recommend. I love it. Here in Seattle, it could keep the rain off of you. Yeah, that's that's, that's the Seattle hoodie combination right there. <laughs> <laughs> the, you called the Seattle hoodie in Silicon Valley uh, meeting. That's the vest with the crop top hoodie right there. That's the look. got to be a Patagonia champions. vest. Has to be. The, of course, Patagucci yeah. all the way. Um, <laughs> well, with that, in, in an attempt to provide some comedic relief, knowing, again, that it's a very hard time in a serious world out there. So um, <laughs> we, we, we just want to give everybody a chance to have a little bit of a sigh of relief before we go back and try to make the world a better place here. Uh, but we're going to play our game, Two Truths and a Lie, which is, if, if you've not listened to the podcast before, it's much like the game everyone played growing up um, in ice-breaking situations in particular. So one of us provides three article titles, two of which are true and one of which is a lie. And the other two co-hosts are doing their best and their darndest to suss out the deceit of that host. And this week, Taylor is up. He's the liar. Um, and Kevin and I <sighs> will be uh, will be trying to, to sniff it out. And Kevin is playing on Tim's behest or behalf. So your points... Ooh. If you if you need anything, as I say, from Tim, this is the time to hold something over his head. This is when you have the power, the leverage that you needed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'll say, Kelsey, as I am sitting in a distant last place in the two years that are in a lie, 2022 rankings, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're going to be a going to really try and trick you all today. I'm going to try a little bit harder. Um, starting out, I'll read three, read the three headlines. Um, the first one, uh, stealthy sock detour backdoor used in attacks on U.S. defense contractors. That's our first one. Our second one, TrickBot takes a break, leaving researchers scratching their heads. And our third one, Emotet Reborn, now spreading via malicious Apple numbers documents. Aww. These are good, Taylor. Everybody has been focused on other things this week, which makes it very difficult. I do not feel plugged in as I'd like to say, I typically am. And also for what it's worth, Taylor, at a game where there are only three, everyone is nearly last all the time. Distant, <laughs> distant third. Distant, distant. I don't know about that. I think you're can just- see y'all over the horizon, but I know that I've got to lie a lot better to catch up. <laughs> oh man. Kevin, do you have any initial guesses here on what, which is the lie? Out of the three, and I have also been quite unplugged lately um due to a lot of global events and things but uh I i'm gonna say the last one's a lie emotet. emotet um and i'm probably wrong but we'll find <laughs> out after this break no i'm just kidding um yeah i feel like it's i know that trickbot did decide to shut down i cannot confirm that um Defenders are scratching their heads or researchers, but I will I will assume they are. Um, let's see. So between Emotet and what was the first one again, Tay-Tay? There was stealthy sock door backdoor used in attacks on U.S. defense contractors. TrickBot takes a break, leaving researchers scratching their heads. And Emotet reborn, now spreading via malicious Apple numbers documents. Hmm. I'm going to I'm going to do what I did last time which backfired and I'm going to spread the board and say number 1 is the lie. Ah, uh, I did get you Kelsey but I did not get Kevin. No! Uh, so Evil 10 has been reborn but it's actually spreading via malicious Excel documents. That was probably that should have been a giveaway. Nobody's nobody's hacking Apple numbers documents. <laughs> <laughs> they will well, now. Well, that would it that would imply somebody likes to use Apple numbers. Exactly. They got in there once to try and hack it. And go, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, Taylor. So you, you nabbed one of us. So um, kind of a good news, bad news situation. You had a victory, but you, you're still in last place, I hate it's to true. say. Yeah, um, but you, you did make a, an imprint there. So... Um, I've, I'm holding on by a very small margin with Tim, who's number two here. So I, he might, he could usurp me next time if he is in fact the giver of the lie, um, uh -oh. if he gets both of us. So he's in, uh, he's in close proximity. I'm a little, I'm a little fearful. Might have to do some extra reading this weekend <laughs> <laughs> or I might be, uh, have to work on my lies if I'm up next. Um, Excellent. Well, thank you both for a great episode. Um, to everybody out there, I know a lot of people are doing everything that they can to to help and support in this situation. 
I hope everyone can take a moment um, to, to take a breath here to take care of themselves and their loved ones. Um, but just, just know we're thinking about, about you all to our listeners. And we'll be back here for episode 113 here in a week. So just remember, don't drink and click. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye now. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>